Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a free spiritual community dedicated to the search for truth and meaning. We're very glad that you're here this morning. I would like to extend a special welcome to our visitors today and encourage you to fill out a visitor's card. Those are um, in the back of the pew in front of you. We come from a long heritage that says that there is a spark of the divine in every person. It is in the spirit of that heritage that I ask you to greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. We're pleased to have with us this morning Dr. Kim Beach and his wife Barbara Beach. Kim Beach was the minister here from 1971 to 1978. And um, we invited him to come back for an old home week. Um, Dr. Beach has a doctorate from Meadville Lombard and two degrees from Harvard. So um, I would listen closely because you might learn something. I don't know if you like that kind of thing. He's the author of four books and numerous articles, Barbara Beach is a luminary in her own right, the president of the International Convocation of Unitarian Universalist Women, which is having its second annual meeting in October in Transylvania. Will you please now say with me the words by which we light our chalice. In the light of truth and in the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Why do you go to the forest in search of the divine? God lives in all and abides with you too. As fragrance dwells in flower, a reflection in a mirror, so the divine dwells inside everything. Seek, therefore, in your own heart. It is important for the members of a congregation to know what they are there for. The way we remind ourselves is to say our mission statement together every week. We say, we gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. May it be so. These roses under my window make no reference to former roses or to better ones. They are for what they are. They exist with God today. There is no time to them. There is simply the rose. It is perfect in every moment of its existence. Before a leaf bud has burst, its whole life acts. In the full-blown flower, there is no more. In the leafless root, there is no less. Its nature is satisfied, and it satisfies nature in all moments alike. But we postpone or remember. We do not live in the present, but with reverted eye lament the past, or heedless of the riches that surround us, stand on tiptoe to foresee the future. We cannot be happy or strong until we too live with nature in the present above time. 
by bringing and exchanging flowers in this service. Participants are part of a particularly Unitarian service created by the Reverend Norbert Chapek, who believed that each of us, like a flower which is beautiful in its own way, when we gather as a church, we are a festive bouquet of people. The communion we celebrate has taken place all over the world in Unitarian and UU churches since 1923. Norbert Chapek started this ritual to celebrate the worth, value, and beauty of all people and celebrate the community of faith. In celebrating the worth of all shapes, sizes, families, and colors, Chapek saw hope for humanity. He would later die at the hands of the Nazis, partially because this belief was so different from theirs. Let us remember him and his principles and dreams. Today, we place our flowers in common vases, remembering that we are individuals and that we are part of the beauty of the whole community. Let us come forward and place our flowers in the vases on the table. Children of the earth and sky, we are given warmth and light from above and below. Supported by earth's strong, firm ground, we build homes, fill fields, and plant gardens. We bless the blossoms, the birds, the sky, and all our relations. We are one family, and earth is our home. A prayer by Norbert Chapek. Infinite spirit of life, we ask thy blessings on these, thy messengers of fellowship and love. May they remind us amid diversities of knowledge and of gifts to be one in desire and affection and devotion to thy holy will. May they also remind us of the value of comradeship, of doing and sharing alike. May we cherish friendship as one of thy most precious gifts. May we not let awareness of another's talents discourage us or sully our relationship, but may we realize that whatever we can do, great or small, the efforts of all of us are needed to do thy work in this world. Spirit of life, bless us as we bless you. We meet in fellowship and love. Although these many flowers are different from one another, they are all flowers. Even though we are different from one another, we are one in our hope for healing, truth, meaning, and love. How good to be here, and wasn't that marvelous? Perhaps you've asked yourself, when you remember things that you did maybe years and years before. Am I really the same person as I was back then? Have I changed completely? I, I think I'm the same, but I'm not entirely sure. Some 40 years ago, longer than a lot of you here could even possibly remember, Barbara and I were indeed here. I as minister... Barbara as, well, let's just say, 
minister of dance and uh, occasional story lady. And I mean dance, literally, up front. Uh, even then, back back then, that prehistory, we celebrated flower communion, and I remember those those celebrations pretty vividly. Even though many things have changed, some things go on unchanged, or they change just a little. But mostly they stay the same, and that reassures us. Memory reminds us of who we were. And it assures us that who we were, in a lot of ways, we still are. And we feel we are growing in that strength. I have many treasured memories of Austin and the people of this congregation. Some of you remember each other, I saw after the first service. You helped me reconfirm at that time, when I came, first came to Austin, to reconfirm my own sense of ministerial vocation. Because I had been through, before that, through a fairly bruising urban ministry experience in Cleveland, Ohio, back in the 1960s. If you can remember that. How grateful, though, I am to be back here today. And I know Barbara joins me in that feeling and thank you, Meg, for inviting us um, to this beloved place. And thank you all for welcoming us. I want to talk about two things. Who we Unitarian Universalists really are, as I see it, as I believe it, underneath all of our differences that we talk about so much, and how the Flower Commune can perhaps remind us of who we really are, even after all the changes we may have been through over the years. That you could take Barbara's story as a starting point. You know, there's that precocious little boy in the grocery store who offers no less than three different morals to the story. But here's a fourth. I offer it with apologies to the uh, playwright George Congreve. Music has charms to soothe the savage gunny wolf. He said, uh, rest, right? But where's the dark woods? Where is that dark woods where the gunny wolf really dwells? Well, maybe that too is in here. Ah, an allegory. Um, but this story is not so much about the, the wolf, I don't think, as it is about the little girl. The naughty little girl. But we sort of like her naughtiness, don't we? Flaunting, lovely mother's warning about going into those woods. Well, there wouldn't have been any story without that. And maybe it was lovely mother herself who planted that idea in her head by saying, don't do that. Did you ever hear of somebody doing something just because they were told, don't? It happens. But let's look at her good points. One, curiosity. There must be some pretty flowers out there, and even more of them. Two, courage. Who's afraid of the big bad wolf, the big bad wolf, and so on. And number three, cr 
creativity. Not just the bouquet of many hues that she creates, but the part about the beautiful song he sings makes up even while the gunny wolf has his big hairy paw on her arm and so on. Where do you suppose she found those things? Where do you suppose she found her courage? Where do you suppose she found her curiosity? Where do you suppose she found her creativity? If you were in her shoes, do you think you could find those things? A question for any of us. Out there in the big dark woods of the world out there, or in here? Those are the kind of things you find within yourself. I would say she found the capacity to be herself and to act for herself, even in a very scary situation. And I call this capacity spiritual freedom, a term which is deeply rooted in sacred tradition. Spiritual freedom. It's not so much freedom from from outward things, as the things that restrict us, the rules, like the rules that come from a lovely mother or whoever. It's an inner freedom. It's a freedom to. It is a, an inward capacity to act and to create. A sense of being at liberty. A deeply empowering sense that I think every person seeks in their life. Because we share this spiritual freedom with every other person in the whole world, it joins us with them in seeking a common good. At least when we appreciate that, that inner sense. I say this is the heart of being Unitarian Universalist. The covenant in spiritual freedom for, for a new humanity. Last month, Barbara and I were invited <clears throat> by the Reverend Peter Samajki to come to Prague, the capital of the Czech Republic, as you know, for the celebration of the 90th anniversary of the founding of the Unitarian Church there. Founded in 1922 by the Reverend Norbert Fabian Chapek. Prague, as you may know, is a magnificent ancient city, the capital of the Czech Republic. You can easily find the Unitarian Church if you go there. It's right in the center of the ancient part of the city, number 8 Karlova Street, <laughs> just a few steps from the Karlov Most, which is the Charles Bridge, the ancient bridge, which is a pedestrian bridge today, spanning the Vlatva River, and you look up, to the hillside on the other side of the river, and there is the Hrajni Castle, the center of the government even today, and the St. Vitus Cathedral looming up inside the castle grounds. Our week in Prague and in Bohemia, the southern part of the Czech Republic, gave us an opportunity to renew friendships we had formed during the years, and also the opportunity to seek out a long-lost Second cousin of Barbara's, who was right there. We found her in a small village in, in Bohemia. But our main reason for going was for me to preach on that at that anniversary Sunday with 
translation, of course, and for Barbara to lead a workshop on leadership. <clears throat> the Czech Unitarians have had many difficulties over the years. As you may know, <clears throat> um, especially in close starting with the German invasion in 1938, the events which really began the Second World War, even before the German invasion of uh, Poland, and then after the war, living through decades of communist oppression, then, <clears throat> even after that, ten years ago, the church property of the Unitarian Church, and this is too long and difficult a story even to tell, that the property was almost stolen through a complicated set of things which happened. Someone coming in and getting new, a new constitution and new people to vote. And you can imagine this being a rather valuable uh, property that they own in that location. A marvelous place. Barbara worked with some others, both there and here, and together they worked for the restoration of that property to its rightful ownership in the church. For this and many other leadership roles, Barbara will be presented the Louis Cornish Award for International Service at this year's General Assembly. And do talk with her about the, the Women's Convocation, which is coming up next year in Transylvania. The Czechs have given two great gifts to, to our liberal faith, gifts which are now found in Unitarian Universalist communities wherever they gather, it seems, around the world. Um, the Philippines, India, and so on. The flower communion is one. The flaming chalice symbol itself is another. This is how it happened. Reverend Chapek believed that Unitarianism would provide the moral leadership that his new democracy needed in that homeland in the years immediately following the First World War, back in the 1920s, to dramatize the ideals of freedom and equality among all persons and the uniqueness and value of all persons. He created this ritual of the flower communion. Each of us chooses a different flower, he said, and that one speaks to us. So when you choose a flower, ask yourself, how does this flower speak to me? How does each other precious person speak to me? The flowers in their beauty and their uniqueness represent the people who gather in one great bouquet. The vase or that holds them is also a symbol, Chapik said. It's a symbol of the church community that contains and brings them together. The flower communion, he said, helps us to share the joys and responsibilities of the communal life. By giving the best that is in us for the common good, we grow, and we are able to do what no person can do alone. Each of us needs to give in order to grow, and each of us needs to receive. The liberal church, then, is something like a vase. A vessel. It holds our gifts. It displays them for all to see. I call the flower communion a covenant because it shows our commitment to one another, symbolized in the act 
of giving and receiving. Giving to others that we may receive. Receiving from others in order that we may give. <clears throat> this is the first great contribution of the Czech to American Unitarianism. But I should also add, speaking of giving and receiving, that we gave something important to them as Americans. There was no Unitarian church in the Czech Republic before Dorbert Chopik. He learned about Unitarianism when he came to the United States as a young man. He envisioned a liberal church taking root in his own native land, and he gained enthusiastic support from our own denominational president at that time, a man named Louis Cornish, for whom the Cornish Award is named. When Chopik returned to his homeland, he discovered liberal religious roots among earlier Czech reformers. One in particular was a man named Jan Amos Komensky, called Komenius, his Latinized name, a leader of the Bohemian Brethren Church, which of course got him into trouble immediately with the ruling Catholic Church, much in league with the ruling Habsburg Empire, which was the dominant force, which finally came to an end, as you know, in World War I. He lives so deeply with our history. So Comenius gained international fame for his educational ideals. He wanted the school, he said, to be a workshop for humanity. He wanted it to foster the spirit of free inquiry. This was centuries ago. Due to his labors, however, Comenius, Jan Komensky, his Czech name, suffered exile from his homeland for most of his career. Most interesting of all, our flaming chalice as a, sim as a symbol can be traced to yet another Czech, Jan Hus. Hus was a theological professor in Prague in the 15th century, a full hundred years before Martin Luther came along in Germany. Hus appealed to, to reason and conscience against the authority of the Pope. He protested because the lay members of, his, of the congregations were excluded from receiving the communion wine, the chalice, but received the bread only. And he said, therefore, they were not receiving the true means, the biblical means of salvation. For this and for other challenges to the church authority, he was condemned, he was burned at the stake in the year 1415 in the Swiss city of Constance. After his death, the Hussite movement rose up. He rebelled against the, the tyranny of both church and state, especially as they were joined together, and they took the chalice as their symbol of the Hussite movement. And you can see this if you go to, for example, to Tabor, one of their centers in Bohemia, where the chalice is a prominent on their banners and on their walls and so on. Many years later, when then, hundreds of years later, literally, when the Unitarian Service Committee went to work during and after, and immediately after World War II, especially it was created to help the refugees from the, from the World War, a Czech artist was engaged to 
to draw a new logo, a symbol for the Unitarian Service Committee. And he drew the flaming chalice. The chalice with the tragic flame and the flame of liberty and freedom and hope. So now we find this Unitarian Universalist symbol really, again, a symbol of spiritual freedom, I would say, throughout the world. It reminds us through all our changes of who we are, and you will see it wherever you find Unitarian Universalists throughout the world. Tusk and Komensky then were two great Czechs who labored and indeed suffered for a new humanity. Norbert Fabian Chapek was a third. During World War II, when Prague was occupied by the Nazis, Reverend Chapek was arrested. His crime was listening to the British Broadcasting System radio reports and then transmitting these reports about the war, about resistance to the Nazi regime, and so on, to others in his city, in his community, as well as in his church. In 1942, then, Topic was arrested. He was sent to a concentration camp. He was killed. During his last months at Dachau, he kept on writing and writing among other things, his hymns like Mother Spirit, Father Spirit, the wonderful hymn that we'll sing shortly. Expressions. Expressions of his own inner spiritual freedom, even under those conditions, even in the face of his own impending death. Chopic asked, what kind of religion is this Unitarianism? And he answered, it is humanity lightened by Divinity. Isn't that a wonderfully simple, um, hey, there's an elevator speech for you. Humanity lightened by divinity. It is humanism and theism combined, he said, is not the kind of humanism without God and without a soul, but a humanism of those great figures, and perhaps he was thinking of Hus and Komensky, who from time to time called our nation to new life, as he was himself doing in the 20s and 30s. Every one of us, he said, has our own power and intelligence, which are a legacy of the power and wisdom of God. I would call it myself. The image of God in which we are made are continuously remade. That inner creative or spiritual freedom. Chopic said our most important spiritual activity is the conscious and willing creation of our mood even discarding negative moods and adopting a better mood. We are in control of our own inner psyches. All the great religious teachers, he said, have uplifted the human capacity. All great religious teachers have uplifted this human capacity to create out of our own inner life a higher sense of life and to act with genuine moral effect. capacity to create out of our own inner life a higher and a livelier sense of life. Uplifting that. That has been the legacy of all great religious traditions. 
So, the flower communion, a symbol that invites us to awaken to the blessings which are already present, already within ourselves, already shared among ourselves. Flowers are miracles of natural beauty. They come in many kinds, many shapes, many hues. Gather them together and you have a magnificent bouquet. So are we gathered in the magnificent tradition of liberal faith, extending through many centuries and many lands. The miracle of spiritual freedom is no less wonderful than the miracle of these flowers, these miracles of natural beauty. Our giving in order to receive and our, is our part. Our part in something larger than ourselves. And our commitment is part, then it becomes part of our commitment to a new humanity. Something the whole world needs so, so deeply these days. To this end, then, let us say, yes, the covenant of spiritual freedom. Let us give these flowers as we would receive and receive them and receive one another as we would give. Remember the way of the wind and breathe and blow. Remember the way of the fire and sparkle and glitter and glow. Remember the way of the water and ebb and flow. Remember the way of the earth and grow. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.